You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. And now time for the Classic Car Show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. Well, we got some good news and some bad news. Both Steve and Jim are in great health. Uh, they're just not here today. Uh, Steve's on a tour, and Jim's uh, up in New York getting ready for a, this coming uh, 4th of July road race here in Atlanta. So you're stuck with me, but I've got, I reached out, and I got a very, very special guest. And uh, his name is Jeff Drybus, and uh, but he goes by another name, the Old Carb Doctor. Now, this will date a lot of us. Carburetors, what are they? But we've got um, we've got Jeff on the line, and we're going to have a fun time today. Jeff, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, David. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's our pleasure. And uh, as I mentioned to you a minute ago. Uh, I doubt that this is this will be the first time, but I doubt that it'll be the last time. If uh, if if I can get through it, we can all get through it. So, looking forward to having you, and looking forward to finding out more about carburetors. You know, as I was um, thinking about the show, and and we we've got a lot of questions, but and there there's some kids out there that carburetor. What's a carburetor? But it's it, you know, my first carburetor that I took apart was on a 12 horsepower Wisconsin engine that I had on my little putt putt car. Uh, that I, well, that one I had built initially, and then my father really jived it up uh, for a Christmas present, and uh, it was fantastic. But uh, let me ask you, in in reality, Jeff, is would you say that? For the most part, a carburetor is a carburetor is a carburetor. They got pins, they got floats, they got uh, holding tanks. So, and then you know, and and quite honestly, I went from that little uh, little bitty uh, carburetor, one barrel carburetor for the twelve horsepower uh, Wisconsin engine, to uh, three deuces on a three forty eight, and you know, they're all. It's sort of a carburetor is a carburetor. Is that correct? That's pretty much the uh, the case, yes. I, too, cut my teeth on small engine carburetors, and there are a couple of varieties of those. There are some that don't have float bowls. They just have a pulse diaphragm drawing it uh, consistently out of the fuel tank. Mm-hmm. I guess you could say uses the fuel tank as a, as a fuel bowl, but, yes, they're all very similar in design. You know, uh when I was doing that, and and my father was not, my father was great with wood because he he owned lumberyards, but uh, he never really helped me. Uh, he, he was not good with engines. He never cared anything about uh, uh, working on the cars or anything like that. So I did it all on my own, and uh, <laughs> I, I learned by OJT on the job training and. Uh, uh, that was the first time I'd ever encountered the fact that, oh gee, I can't buy, I can't buy the gasket for the carburetor to put it back together. Uh, they just didn't have them anymore, and so I had to take the old gasket 
buy some gasket material and make my own gasket. And it worked, to my surprise, but it worked. And, uh, and that's, exact, that's exactly what we do here when we get some of these really early carburetors. Make your own gaskets. Absolutely. Well, uh, a lot of other things, too. Let me ask, uh, because we all well respect the fact that life has changed with that little machine on our desk called a computer today, Is it, have you found that it's much easier making those gaskets? Can you... Uh, Take, take one from uh, Google and say, okay, that's the one I want, and then uh, have it print out and then do it from there? I wouldn't have a clue how to do that. I'm not computer illiterate, but that part of the, the scheme, you don't find the gaskets that we're making here online. I really don't. I don't believe there are any patterns out there for gaskets for 1910 Duryea and, and things <laughs> like that. Um, uh, so no, I just I work from the, the existing gaskets. Or if they're in too poor a condition or they're absent, I simply use the castings as patterns. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've gotten pretty good at it in uh, the three decades we've been in business. Uh, and you know, you mentioned that your uh, father was a woodworker. That was my daddy too. He he loved to work in wood. Didn't know a thing about uh, mechanics. But my my maternal grandfather, he was the mechanic, and his specialty was carburetor repair. Wow. And so it, it came right through the DNA uh, <laughs> down one uh, two generations to me. I uh, I can't say that, uh, and and I'll be very honest on this that uh, growing up it uh, it made me a loner because my dad didn't care anything about being under the hood with me on cold days or rainy days or beautiful days. And uh, so I, again, OJT, and I learned more from taking my car into a shop and then begging the shop owner to let me stay and watch, you know. <laughs> and uh, I did, and that's sort of the way I learned. Uh, you know, it was like every afternoon, and, you, and you, I'm sure you've seen this a million and one times, but I had a... Uh, and I think we'd mention it. I had a 348 with three deuces on it. And, uh, you know, I every Friday afternoon after school, you had, to, you had to tune those carburetors and get ready for the weekend. And, uh, you know, so I, I learned how to do that. I learned how to set timing. And, uh, you know, and, and quite frankly, I miss the fact that my father wasn't there with me. But by the same token... Things have changed so much today that I open a hood and I <laughs> I can tell all that big thing must be the motor, but beyond that, I don't know what all that other stuff is. And uh, so I miss that part of uh, my son's education. Uh, but at the same token, my two boys, they do know how to change a tire, and that's more than I can say for most kids today. So it's, uh, you know, like you said, you, you were in a neat position that it, it trickled down from your grandfather to you, and and uh, did, did were, was he still alive, and was he able to help you in your education with him? Actually, not really. He passed away when I was 12, mm. and it, it had to have been in the DNA. However, what did pass down to me were some of his tools. Oh, wow. And I still have many of those tools today, and every time I use one in the course of my work, I always 
Thank you for your grandma. I want to thank you to Grandpa. Yep. Oh, that yeah. I, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, that's that is indeed the case. Uh, have uh, started out in uh, small engine repair in about 1978, and uh, that's enough to make you. No offense to small engine people out there, for Pete's sake, but I just it wasn't it wasn't anything I could stick with any longer than a decade. And in 1989, we opened Old Carb Doctor, my wife and I, and uh, we've been at it ever since. I had some really interesting moments. I mean, when I first opened it, I figured, well, I'm going to be working on Carters and Rochesters and you know Strombergs and that kind of thing. And you can imagine my surprise when things like a Stromberg, yes, but from, from a 1930 Pierce Arrow ended up on my bench, and I'm like, well, it's a carburetor, I ought to be able to fix it, and it took me just a little while to get inside of the engineer's head and see what had been done, what had to be done by me to uh, resurrect it, and uh, from there on, I just, I wasn't afraid of most carburetors. I will mention, however, that we don't do uh, the Holly four barrels and two barrels post mid 1950s. Those are just not not something I can get inside the engineer's head zone. Hmm. That's an interesting terminology, and obviously uh, all engines and and are all carburetors were designed by some engineer. And do they serve a purpose? independently like a holly um oh they they serve a purpose i use one as a doorstop here (laughs) Um, i hope i'm not getting in trouble with whoever owns holly right now but i just it's it's not not the way i would design a carburetor and i i can't get them to work to my own satisfaction so i don't i don't build them for other people and uh uh, really, they, they, they serve, their purpose is racing carburetors. They're very, very good and very tunable for racing carburetors. We don't do racing carburetors here. We do carburetors you are going to want to be able to take and enjoy and drive your car on the street and take your antique car on a tour and have it be dependable. Um, <clears throat> for example, I was recently on a <clears throat> AACA tour down in Wilmington and there met a customer, unbeknownst to either of us, that we were that the other was on the tour, and he had his 1912 Buick there, for which I'd recently done the carburetor and was enjoying the heck out of it. Oh, he and his friends were all dressed up in period costume and driving that car. I thought it was so great. Mm, That is neat. That is very neat. You know, uh, do you... How do you feel about the hobby and or the business and or the industry, depending on how you look at it? But, you know, we've been struggling... And, and one of the reasons for the show is that our mission has been to try to get the young folks to see and appreciate the classic car. And, you know, the United States, people can say whatever they want to say, but we were built, the United States is built on engines, whether it's in a truck, a car, whatever it is. That's what has made America grow, and the ability for us to jump in a car for a hundred years now, I guess, and go from coast to coast is remarkable, incredible, whatever you want to call it, but that's what's made the United States. And what keeps those engines turning is that fuel 
and that fuel has to be directed by the carburetor and or now the uh, uh, electronic uh, fuel injection. But what, uh, I, and I always ask this question because I, I, I just, I, I'm not an engineer. I'm a little bit computer literate and can do some things. But what, what do you think the carburetor would be? Would it have been replaced by the fuel injection head? Had the engineers back in, I don't know, the early 40s, 50s, had the capacity of the computer to design something uh, around the carburetor? It's possible. They're, they're, uh, they, they would have had, had to be familiar with uh, a, a great deal of electronic circuitry that just, that just did not exist at the time. Um, and one of the things that jump-started the fuel injection was the, the uh, mandates for lower emissions, and they really had to kick into high gear the concept of, well, now we're going to adapt this technology, um, the electronic technology, to the car, to to the fuel metering system, not the carburetor, but to the, well, they initially tried. They had some things called feedback carburetors. We don't work on those either um, because we can't get the parts for them, and I don't have the diagnostic equipment. But uh, that was what jump-started it, and so I imagine a lot of that knowledge was called from everything from the, the aerospace field to um, I really don't know what, uh, but they, they had to develop the electronic uh, controls for the fuel injection in order to meet the emission standard. There had... Uh, Make no mistake, there was purely mechanical fuel injection. Um, it was uh, generally thought of as a failure in the early days. Uh, Pontiac introduced it on the, uh, the Pontiac uh, Bonneville in 1957. Um, hmm. Some other GM lines had it back then. I think they had it at Chevrolet as well. Uh, you know, in their high-performance engines. Uh, Chrysler tried it in 1958, and all of the cars that had it. Uh, were subsequently uh, retrofitted with carburation because it, it didn't work. That was a Bendix system, whereas what General Motors used was their own uh, their own GM design. Um, Jeff, with that, uh, there who can rebuild those today, but I'm not one of them. We're we're up against a hard break. We're going to be back with Jeff Drabus right after this. Forty-five years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. 
just talking to you about antique car insurance, I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on the Classic Car Show with uh, at America's Web Radio, and uh, we're missing we're missing uh, Shine Top and uh, Brill Kareem Kid today, Mister Jim Weber and Steve Ronaldo. They're they both said they just couldn't take me anymore; that they had to have a week off, so they deserted ship, missing in action. But anyway, we've got a wonderful guest on, better known as the old carburetor doctor. And uh, it's a fascinating story. And I think, you know, in some ways, Jeff, we're, we're sort of alike. I, I know that uh, there are a lot of things that uh, could be done on an engine, but you specialize in carburetors. Well, there's a lot of, a lot of different, uh, I'd like to have a million listeners and be a top 40 radio station, too. But... We decided to go a different route, and we we do niche shows, and uh, we're going to be uh, doing a new show coming up very shortly. That's going to uh, be uh, on on the air. Uh, well, we've got a couple of new shows coming on. One's going to be a veteran show, and uh, we want to mention the fact that we're still running the deal. If you're a veteran and you open a new business within the last 12 months, we'll give you two free weeks of advertising on America's Web Radio. All you have to do is contact General GM, our general manager at America's Web Radio, and uh, he'll be glad to set it up for you and get those uh, days going. Anyway, we've got Jeff Drybus on, and he is a carburetor doctor. And, uh, Jeff, you're down in uh, Florida, is that right? No, sir, we're oh, North Carolina. North Carolina, I'm sorry. I got it right in front yep. of me, and for some reason my... Uh, my mind overloaded my mouth, and I said Florida, but North Carolina. And um, is there? You had mentioned that you don't want to do Hollies. Uh, why? What's the weirdest carburetor that you got in, benounced or unbenounced to you when it was coming? <laughs> oh my goodness! It's uh, probably the first one I I ever saw that really blew my mind was an old. B series. Now these were, they had numbers like B3, B4, B5 um, in the, the very beginning of the automotive age. They were bronze, but they had big cylindrical glass bowls on them, a quarter of an inch thick. Wow. And, uh, you know, you'd think that would be almost unbreakable, but people have still managed to break them. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I can't really work with them after they're broken. Uh, I recently was told something about somebody maybe re- reproducing them, but I don't know whom that would be. Uh, but yes, that's a very weird thing. You can actually watch the fuel level. It stands in that glass bowl up to a certain height, and you can watch the inner workings. You can watch the float go up and down, uh, at least while you're filling it. You can watch it go up. And uh, uh, that was probably my my biggest surprise, the first one of those I ever saw and held in my hand. i got to ask, did, did, did that one have the the clip, the swing clip under it to hold that glass bowl up? No, no. The, it, the glass bowl was sandwiched between <clears throat> two uh, bronze castings. Wow. 
and uh, and has to be sealed at both at both ends. Um, <laughs> but it's really something to really something to see. And there's there's they're not dangerous. Uh, you know, if, if you're going to break quarter inch glass, you're going to puncture through <clears throat> soft pot metal or anything else. You know. So, mm, that is weird. Uh, we're not we're not afraid when we send them out. Um, how many of those have you gotten in over the years? I'm going to say around five or six. Hmm. Is there anything that's really uh, uh, just totally stumped you? Oh, a couple of them, but usually it was due to things such as missing parts, uh, butchery, um, or uh, some deal where you know a carburetor. One carburetor had been made out of multiple and only marginally compatible pieces. Well, Most I, of them don't stump me beyond beyond Hollies. I just can't figure out where they were going with that. But uh, but yeah, uh, not many. I bet you love the comment when somebody calls you and, and says, "I tried to fix it myself, but," and then that "but" means, "Oh my God, it's not even going to have all the parts when I get it." Right. Yeah, that's the first thing I do is I start asking for an inventory of all the parts that are actually there. And uh, when they say, but I only lost one part, invariably <laughs> it's the hardest to find part on <laughs> the entire mm. carburetor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, well, instead of wasting the post- postage, just use that circular uh, file cabinet over there by your door. Oh, no, we usually try to... Have, we usually try to come up with something for them and help them if we humanly can. I have a number of old uh, carburetor cores, some earlier than you might imagine, put back to pull parts off, so just to pull parts off. We don't sell carburetors out, right? We restore your carburetor. The only exception to that is if you send us your carburetor and we say, hmm, we got a, I got one better than this, it's a parts carburetor, we'll take the two of them and, and build them good carburetor around the parts carb I have here. How do you price something like that? Uh, usually flea markets. Uh, a lot of people will, will just give this, give them to us. Um, you know, some of them will say, uh, well, here's a carburetor to restore, and here's another carburetor to use for parts. Just keep it when you're done. That's interesting. And, uh, we, I'm not saying it's an enormous number. We, we've amassed like two or three hundred carburetor cores here and uh, that way. Wow. So, you know, I would be amiss, and we've talked about it a little bit, but uh, uh, <laughs> the wonderful ethanol. <laughs> you know, they say that farmers like it, but my farmer doesn't like it, and... Uh, I'm not even sure the the corn farmers like it. Everybody touts that they're making money off of it, and they have to have it, and they have to have the government. I I'm sorry, but that's that's not really true. And uh, how do you feel about ethanol? No, the, the farmers don't like it either. That's why they had <coughs> the federal government write an an exemption uh, to the ethanol mandate that says that if you live in a sufficiently uh, that if your you know your uh, station your fuel station is uh, located in a sufficiently rural area that agriculture might be occurring there, you as long as the state you're in will allow it, you can carry uh, ethanol-free gasoline. 
thankfully we're in a very rural part of North Carolina, so we can get it and put it in our vehicles. Um, so yes, uh, nobody really lacks it. It uh, was a real good way to give the corn lobby a shot in the arm, but uh, it's uh, gasoline and ethanol. Now, I'm no chemist, but I'm smart enough to understand that gasoline is a petrochemical and ethanol is an organic compound, and the two don't mix very well. According to an American Petroleum, in, uh, American Petroleum Institute's uh, engineer that I spoke to, they mix the gasoline and the ethanol in the tanker on its way to market. They don't keep those big tanks on the on the tank farms that you see full of gasohol. They they keep it separated until they're going to take it to the market. They know they're going to they know that it's going to separate, and uh, if it's in there too long, so. Uh, that's one of the problems you, you run into. The ethanol separates from the gasoline and the least presence of moisture, and then it, the ethanol and the moisture go to the bottom of the tank because they're the heavier compounds, and there's no car that's going to run on ethanol and or water. So you end up with, uh, with lots and lots of problems there. Also, there is less energy in a gallon of ethanol uh, gasohol in a, in a gallon of gasohol. Therefore, you end up burning more, so you don't really save any emissions. You know, it doesn't really cancel out any emissions. Um, what it does do is because it also boils at a lower temperature, the gasohol mix does than gasoline. You end up with things like vapor lock and heat soak. Uh, this is why it's more common today than it ever has been. And there are ways to combat it, um, but, but uh, you know, but it usually involves making a few modifications under the hood. Well, what about part damage? Like, uh, you know, I I suffer with, or did until uh, I met James uh, Donst, who's with uh, Bell Performance, and James, I bet, is listening right at the moment. And we have to give James a big plug and a. And if he were around, I'd give him a big hug, too. James is always there and has always been there for uh, America's Web Radio and the Classic Car Show, and he's with Bell Performance. And they have a, a product that is a real counter to ethanol. And, um, you know, I really, for years, it was, and, and I could do anything with my weed eater. I would drain it. I would run it dry. I would do everything, and yet the next year when I started to crank it up, the ethanol had already eaten it alive in one shape, form, or fashion, and I got to buy a new weed eater. And uh, with uh, Bell Performance products, uh, you don't have to worry about that anymore. And But my question is, what, what damage have you seen with uh, the regular carburetors? Well, it attacks anything that's boon or rubber in the carburetors for for starters, so you can't use the old black accelerator pump cups. If you're rebuilding a carburetor at home and a carb kit comes with a black accelerator pump cup, don't use it. Uh, you need one that's made of the blue fluoroelastomer, or if you can still get your hands on it, the leather ones. Uh, they seem to stand up to it a lot better, although that's not a 100% for sure thing. It can even attack the aluminum and pot metal. Aluminum seems to be even more vulnerable than the pot metal with zinc diecast in the carburetors. Uh, you so often get a white powdery residue. If when you open up your carburetor, you see that, and usually that's 
you know, that's essentially lightly decomposing uh, aluminum. Hmm. Um, I want to hold that thought. We've got to take another break, but when we get back, I want to go ahead and expand on ethanol and The question is, were you expecting it when it became almost mandatory? We'll be back with Jeff Dravis right after this. Hi, I'm Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, talking to you about antique car insurance. Uh, In this hobby uh, that I've been part of for years, not all insurance companies and insurance coverage is the same. I would suggest that you call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com to find out some information about some of the best antique car insurance you can get, such as agreed value uh, insurance for your classic car. Again, if you're when you get ready to, to uh, insure your classic, classic antique or even your street ride, call J.C. Taylor Insurance or visit jctaylor.com. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on America's Web Radio, and uh, we're missing in action Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber, but uh, it's mandatory that they be listening so they can tell me everything I did wrong, and whether they listen or not, they'll still tell me I did it wrong, so it doesn't matter, but... Anyway, we have have the carburetor doctor on, and, and let's give the car the old carburetor doctor on. Let's give you a plug, and where do people contact you and send their carburetors and all those little screws that uh, they took out, saying I'm, I'm not going to lose one of these. Mm-hmm. Well, that would be either oldcarbdoctor.com, O L D C A R B D O C T O R. Dot com or at 800-945-2272. And if you look at what 2272 spells, it spells CARB. So 800-945-CARB. Fantastic. And you're in North Carolina. And uh, yes, uh, I, th- I think Steve uh, first talked to you about his uh, Cadillac carburetor. And... Uh, uh, would you say when we're talking about ethanol, and I want to get back into ethanol, but would you say over the years that, I mean, uh, you know, a carburetor is a mechanical piece of equipment on your car, but would you say that most of the problems may or may not have been in some way or the other fuel-related when it's not really a carburetor, it's not really a mechanical problem? Well, absolutely, and the ethanol can create all kinds of difficulties. One of the problems is that uh, ethanol boils at a lower temperature than gasoline and it carries that through to the uh, gasoline-ethanol mix. Uh, I always run ethanol-free premium in my vehicles, but uh, it's somehow I ended up with ethanol in the gas tank one time, not unbeknownst to me, this was not that long ago, 
and it was in our 1976 Oldsmobile. After driving that car about 15 miles at relatively moderate speeds, 45 to 50 miles an hour on a very moderate temperature morning, the uh, gasoline I found when the car started stalling, I found the gasoline in the carburetor to be boiling like crazy. Now, the carburetor was not hot. I could put my hands around the carburetor and be comfortable, and yet here it was, boiling, boiling, boiling. It boils the gas out of the bowl into the throat where it encounters somewhat cooler air, and then it condenses and drops down on the, the throttle plates, and some of it runs out around the throttle shaft and ends, and some of it uh, runs into your engine. Um, but uh, ethanol, some ethanol gasoline mixes can boil at as low as 107 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. 107 degrees Fahrenheit, and I think that's what was going on here. I made my way very slowly and carefully to the nearest station that sold sold non-ethanol premium uh, and tanked up with that, and after a while of driving the car, it was back to normal. It was no longer boiling. But that was really astounding to me. I'd never actually seen it happen with a, uh, you know, at that low a temperature. And how old was the Oldsmobile? It's a 1976. 76, okay, so, you know, what are they going to come up with next? And by the way, I want to go ahead and mention, if you do have a fuel problem or you uh, want, there is a product made by Bell Performance called Ethanol Defense, and uh, you just have to go to Bell Performance and order it from them. That's the easiest way to get it, and it's Ethanol Defense. Um and it's a good product. We use it, and it works in anything uh, that takes gasoline or, unfortunately, gets ethanol put in it. So do you see the, the government coming out with anything else that uh, could screw our world up as, as much as ethanol has? Not at this time, not to my knowledge. Uh, but then I didn't see see it coming with the ethanol. I didn't know. So some people would, uh, and I, uh, I read some of the uh, advertising that they put out, don't let the government force us to use ethanol. And I just didn't re- realize how bad it really was. But they, those ads were not lying. They are, it is very problematic for old cars. Let me mention something that I can't do here in the shop for people. They have to do this on their own. If they, <clears throat> excuse me, if they uh, are having used ethanol gas, they should replace the fuel line, the original fuel line on the car. This, now we're talking about carbureted cars here in specific. Replace it with Gates Barricade for carburation. I do not own stock in Gates. I just know that it works and works better than other brands I have tried. Gates, B-A-R-R-I-C-A-D-E. It's got white lettering on one side, green lettering on the other. They're not paying me to, to say this. I just want to make sure people don't have problems with their gas lines or their hoses failing because not only can they leak outward they can collapse internally and if that's on the suction side of the fuel pump then you're not going to go anywhere the car will act like it's running out of gas and when it stops it'll start again but it'll soon suck shut again wow and you can't you can't see it and i bet you it's a major cleanup to get all those little bits and pieces out yeah, you, you definitely don't want it to disintegrate and get pushed downstream to your carburetor because uh, then you then you got real problems. And it has to come to somebody like me probably to get them all out. <laughs> that, uh, you know, uh, 
you, you just <laughs> you can't help but sit here if you have the problem uh, why me and why aren't the uh, why do I have to pay for somebody else screwing me around the the uh, ethanol folks and or the government that made it mandatory um, just Such is the world today yeah <laughs> ain't it the truth but you know it just uh, it and it's terrible and uh, like I said I've gone through weed eater after weed eater after weed eater because of the because of uh, ethanol and uh, initially nobody knew what to do other than pour it out and then it came well run it dry and then it you know and even at that if there was a little bit left on the line it could eat it alive over the over the uh, winter months or whatever but Another thing that ethanol has done is uh, shorten the shelf life of gasoline in quantities as small as automobiles, gas tanks. So if you park your car for the winter, when you park your car for the winter, especially for people who live up north and don't use them anywhere close to year-round, put uh, put some of the ethanol defense in your gas tank and it will help stabilize the gasoline over the winter time so that it doesn't turn to varnish gum if you smell something in your gas tank that doesn't smell like gasoline has sort of a sicky sweet varnishy odor that's bad gas you're not going to be able to rejuvenate it with anything that i know of get it out of there and uh, i know that's not easy but get get the gasoline out of the entire fuel system and Try and run fuel, run clean fuel through it. Yes, sir. Um, back to carburetors. Uh, what? Uh, how how far back do you go as as uh, rebuilding? As far back as it goes. I mean, we've done them for nineteen oh two Oldsmobiles. Wow. The aforementioned nineteen ten Duryea. We. Uh, the nineteen twelve Buick that was on the tour with me. I mean, those are just a tiny mattering of the carburetors that the early carbs that we've done here we do them uh we do the, the stuff from the 20s on an extremely regular basis we just sent one out uh for example uh, uh, for those who don't want mar- don't know what marvel carburetors are you won't know what i'm talking about but those of you who do will say oh good i this guy can help me um Marvel carburetors on old Buicks and GMCs and things like that. We just did a carb for a 1930 fire engine on a GMC chassis and sent, it, sent the uh, uh, restored the Marvel carburetor for that. Uh, we're working on one for a 1921 Buick right now, um, and I just have to make the parts and make you know make the gaskets. Um, I have a few sources I can find parts from if I absolutely have to. Hmm. I mean, we haven't stood still for three decades. We opened in July of 1989, and uh, so we've established a lot of uh, part sources and uh, put put aside a whole lot of parts here to work with. Wow. Do, do you ever get, or have you ever, uh, been lucky enough to fall into a situation where someone was going out of business or had gone out of business, and there were a ton of carbers also that brings up do you work on cycles we do not too many people send them to us but we do them um it's been a few years but i did a set of uh delort this refactory delortos uh for a uh oh my goodness an italian bike uh, a few years ago 
and I will tell you this, they're more expensive to do than carburetors only because the specialty manufacturers from what you have to get the parts and most of those parts you can't make are very, very proud of those parts. (laughs) And it shows in the invoice. Like it to be that way, but uh, at least we can do them if that is what people want us to do. Um, we, if you send me a carburetor, I will restore it. I will make it like new. I will make it in some ways better than new because we'll use modern materials. And I know no, numerous updates to make to carburetors, such as but not limited to Rochester Quadrajets, Carter WCFBs, most Rochester products. Hmm. Um, and uh, when it goes out of here, rest assured, it's a, it's better than the factory made it. Um, sometimes quite a bit better than the factory made it. it you want, I can tell you a bit about what we do here. Sure. Okay. One of the biggest problems with people put a car, carburetor kit in their carburetor, and in six to eighteen months, will be acting just as it did. Why is that? Well, because. Usually, the warpage has not been taken out of the soft pot metal castings. The ones we can't resurface, we press match or peen match until there is zero tolerance between the casting uh, sections. And then and only then do we put new gaskets in it. Wherever we can, between those passages, those vacuum passages that run from, for example, bowl to lid, we cut tiny little breech tubes, usually five-eighths OD, I mean, excuse me, sorry, five-thirty-seconds OD, eighth-inch ID, and drive them into the bowl half uh, and have them fit loosely into the top half so that your vacuum passages will never be interrupted again to things such as your vacuum choke pull-off or your metering piston inside of the carburetor. You mentioned that uh, you had worked on some fire engine carburetors which i uh, a lot of them actually yeah really? uh i didn't i didn't realize that uh i thought most of them were diesel as opposed to gas but obviously they now. not they are now but they weren't back in the day like, yeah okay so um with that being said what about and the military but with that the question is besides our wonderful ethanol what is the biggest edible factor that'll just eat up a carburetor? Is it dust, or is it what? What is? What do you aim at? That's the second worst thing for a carburetor. Well, neglect, obviously. Um, if it's a parts car, don't leave it sitting out in the rain with the hood open <laughs> and the air cleaner off. Um, don't store carburetors that you think you might use and open barrels with no hole in the bottom out in the, out in the rain uh, <laughs> but as far as on the car there that's pretty much those are pretty much the biggest threats right there don't run it without an air cleaner obviously keep your air cleaner maintained and your uh, you know PCV system maintained and such as that hmm. with um, that we're going to have to take our last break uh, we'll be back with Jeff Drybus right after this the old carb doctor and I we're going to pin him down on how to get your carb to him we'll be back right after this your auto love and investment demands the best and for 45 years passport transport has been meeting those demands 
From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, we're back on America's Web Radio, and this is the, uh, the not even the stand-in. I'm, I'm just taking up one chair for Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber, and you, you all can email us or um, go on Facebook and uh, chastise us for whatever you want to chastise us for and tell them how how they were missed this week with a great guest, Jeff Dravis, from uh, better known as the Old Carb Doctor. So we've got Jeff on, and he's been. What would in the classic car side of it? What would you recommend as far as uh, people if they don't know it? What should they do? Uh, and and by the way, Steve has. A number of classic cars, and um, Steve is wonderful in that he doesn't believe in uh, putting them up and covering up. He believes in driving them and does, and he'll drive them all winter long. And he <laughs> he's sort of like out walking each individual dog. At one time during the week, he'll take one of his cars out and drive it. So, which I think is great. But for the people that just park them for the for the winter. What's the best thing that they can do? Stabilize the fuel, cover them up, uh, change the uh, change the oil, um, make sure the tires are in, inflated. I mean, they will inevitably lose air while they sit, um, and uh, uh, maybe put some damp rid or something inside of them, depending upon your humidity situation. Um, I'm not sure what to do beyond that i i don't have a temperature controlled garage to keep my cars in so i just have to do the best i can with those uh with those means and and some carports and if you've put ethanol in put some ethanol defense in from uh right oh yes i mentioned that before yes definitely stabilize the fuel with ethanol defense and um it, it helps if you after you do that you can drive the car around just a little bit to make sure it's thoroughly mixed with the gasoline by the way, I want to be nasty, real nasty. Contact Bell Performance and tell them that you heard about them and Ethanol Defense on America's Web Radio. And um, we, we've been talking to them about the fact that uh, we can get them business. They are really not into much of the consumer business as they are into, uh, you know, like uh, major 
uh, counties and all of this kind of stuff. The Army uses their products. Um, you know, or I should not just the Army. The military uses their products. But they're, and we're trying to get them into the consumer side of things in that it's just right because they've got a darn good product that works. Hello? A product that works. That's a that's a newfound thing, and consumers should have access to it. And the easy access to it is to go to their website, Bell Performance, and order it and drive them crazy, one quarter, one gallon at a time. But uh, they'll know that uh, that information came from America's Web Radio because they do no other advertising. It's the best kept secret in the country. Uh, ethanol defense. Do you, uh, let me ask, uh, which brings up another question. Are, do you see the carburetors that you get in every place having the same problems, or is uh, Washington State totally different from Atlanta, Georgia? No, I, I don't really see any demographic differences in the conditions of the carburetors due to ethanol, not at all. Um, it's pretty much nationwide, but although, as I say, rural areas tend to fare better, I get fewer complaints about uh, gasoline boiling and, and other such things in, in those areas because they can buy ethanol-free gas. Uh, let me mention something really quick because I don't want a, people, a bunch of people to call here just just uh, all uh, anticipating getting their carburetor done right away. We, you know, it takes several days to do any one carburetor because of the way we, we go about it. Uh, and make sure that it's all done correctly and it looks like brand new if that's what the customer wants when uh, when he gets it back. We are right now backed up around nine weeks, so I don't want anybody to call and think, oh, boy, I'm going to get my carburetor fixed by July or something like that. I don't. I, we don't trade in disappointment here, and that's part of it is we we let people know right up front how backed up we are at any given time because there's only two people here, it's my wife and I, because I want total control over the quality of the carburetors that go out. That that's putting a book in a nutshell, and I think that's that's fantastic, and the, and the perfect perfect attitude. And I, I can't speak for anybody but myself, but I'd much rather wait and get something back that I can count on than to get it back in a short period of time and then have to take it off and send it back again. And uh, the second time around is never as friendly as the first time around. And I, I, I appreciate what you're saying, and I appreciate that uh, that's the kind of uh, business that you have, and we certainly support that. Another thing we do here uh, is rebush throttle shaft bores. If you've got a uh, worn-out throttle shaft bore with the, the throttle all all floppy and a throttle shaft all floppy in it, what the symptom that will cause is an irregular idle. You won't be able to set your idle uh, and have it stay there uh, because of the air leakage around the throttle shaft. It won't it won't remain. You can set it at 650 and the next thing you know it's idling at 950. We can fix that. If the throttle shaft itself is in bad shape, we have numerous good-used throttle shafts here and some we can even get new. Some for the early carbs we can even pretty much make up if we have to uh, for like single barrel stuff and uh, so then you're when it comes back you don't have that variation in idle and uh, you'll it'll for the way collector cars are driven it'll probably stay that way the rest of its life 
Oh, I'm embarrassed, but this is a dumb question. Uh, sure. throttle, throttle chef, is that the pin? Uh, I remember, you know, the you'd screw in the, it would be a sharp pin at the end, sort of, and it would be the... No. The, the throttle shaft is the shaft in which the throttle plates ride in the very bottom of the carburetor if it's a downdraft and the very top if it's an updraft. And uh, the throttle plate is what the throttle shaft and its plates are what turn when you push on the gas. Mm -hmm. Okay? Okay. And um, I'm sitting here looking at a uh, throttle body for a Ford 4300 carburetor right now that uh, appears to, uh, I haven't got the plates out of it yet to take the shafts out, but it appears it's going to need to be rebushed from how much side play there is in a throttle shaft. That's how you determine if your throttle shaft does is worn or has worn bushings. You work it up and down and side to side, not in and out, but up and down, side to side. And then you can, if it moves enough that you can hear a click, it's usually, uh, it's bad enough that it needs to, to be rebushed. <laughs> Do you get very many women sending in carburetors or calling you and talking to you about carburetors? Sure. Interesting. Sure, it's the majority is men, but sure, we have, we have female customers. <laughs> and don't you love the customers that say this deal? Uh, this little deal on the side, I think that's <laughs> yeah. the problem. Uh, or this oh, that's that's perfectly clear. I know exactly what that is. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to got to be a head scratcher every now and then, at least. But uh, and people are funny, and uh, I'm like I said, I'm sure you love the ones. Well, I tried to fix it, but and. Uh, and, I know. Uh, they, you find they out. They were at thirty-five dollars an hour. Forty-five if you fixed it first. <laughs> I'm joking, but I saw that sign a long time ago, and I thought it was funny. I, I love <laughs> it. I love that. That's uh, that's got to be so true in so many different areas, from carburetors to um, stereos. And uh, exactly. Anybody, I I love that. Thirty-five dollars an hour, and forty-five if you fixed it yourself. <laughs> Beautiful. So. Where do you see see it all going? Are carburetors, are we going to have carburetors around for the next uh, couple of hundred years, or are they going to slowly but surely fade out of the world? Well, I don't know what, what will happen when all the guys like me are done. I can't find any young guys crazy enough to want to learn this stuff. Hmm. Um, but I was like, can I do it with a computer? No, you can't do it with a computer. Oh, then I'm not interested, so... That's all right. I don't mind. Um, but, uh, you know, when I'm, I'm 60, I'm one of the younger guys in the business. And when I'm gone, I mean, there might still be a couple of them out there building these things. Uh, but uh, when they're gone, then it's either going to be entirely self-directed by the owner or uh, not at all. I'm sure there will always be restoration shops that their guys know at least a little something about some carburetors, you know. What about SUs? There'll be somebody out there who has a, this huge compendium of knowledge about most carburetors in their head as I do. What about SUs? We do SUs. We do Stromberg 175 and 150 CDs, too. Okay. So off my Austin Healy, I could send you my carburetors if I still sure. had the Healy. Sure. Okay. And we do something nobody else wants to touch. This is to make up for the Hollies, is we'll work on Solex carburetors, and nobody likes to work on them except me, on the European cars. Mm -hmm. and, uh, 
So send me all your Solexes. Uh, I will restore them. Just give me time. <laughs> That's so people know what the what the uh, when I say send it to me. What we what we tell people to do is double box it to protect it in shipping. Uh, include a check for a hundred dollars. Yep, we do business the old-fashioned way by check uh, for a deposit with each piece of work that's coming in and uh, ship it in. You know, name, address, phone number, what it's for. No mystery packages, please. And um, <laughs> the uh, so we've got them. We have gotten them, and it, it's mind-blowing until they finally call you and say, "Where's my carburetor?" We don't know who it belongs to. Um, Is that why you have that X-ray machine to check boxes as they come in? Any, anything like that. Um, I'm not paranoid. I just don't want mystery boxes where we, we <laughs> don't know who the owner is or what the carburetor is actually for. That's what we're. That's what we call a mystery box. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, and uh, better to call me first before you ship the work, and I can go through the whole thing with you and go into far greater detail with the customer uh, about what we do to the carburetor, what we're going to do to his or her carburetor in specific. Um, than I can on, on the air like this. I have found this absolutely in, very interesting, and uh, if I had a car with a carburetor on it and it had problems, I'd send it to you, but I don't even wouldn't even come close to even knowing how to take a fuel injection system apart and send it to you. So, And you don't work them on, on them anyway, so we I... Don't. I don't. So I, the, the Austin Healy was hypothetical. No, I used to. I had a. I had an Austin Healy from a '67, one of the last imported into yeah. the states, and uh, I mistakenly sold it instead of, and married my ex-wife. I should have kept the Healy and gotten rid of the the wife. But anyway, uh, it's long. Everything under the bonnet was chromed, and I'm still trying to find another car another Healy to replace it because I I love that car and uh, I made a mistake but then again I found that I made a lot of mistakes with her so such is life in a whaleboat and uh, but yeah I had uh, had that on it and I had uh, interesting thing with that car and probably nobody cares except me but um, I thought I was having carburetor problems when in fact it was a uh, uh, just an electrical problem, but it, it acted like a carburetor when, in fact, it was an electrical problem. Uh, Lucas, Prince of Darkness. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yes, and that brings up a good point. A lot of people think they're having a carburetor problem when they're having a fuel pump problem. We do also do mechanical screw-together fuel pumps, and if uh, if somebody calls me and it's, you know, the, the right bells ring and it sounds like it might be fuel pump instead of carb, of course, I'll mention a few things they can do to, to test that because obviously we don't want to do unnecessary restoration work to people's carbur- carburetors when it was the other component all along. Well, old carburetor doctor, we're going to have to sign off. Uh, we want to thank Jeff, Dribus, and... Um, his wife that was manning the fort while we were on the air, I'm sure. So yeah. we want to thank her as well. And, uh, Jeff, know that you've got a friend in Atlanta and America's Web Radio. And anytime you need us, we're here for you. And if you don't mind, I'd love to have you back when the, when the experts are in the studio instead of the dummy. But, uh, heck, if you've got to have a dummy in cards, you might as well have a dummy in cars. And there are a lot of them. 
So with that being said, we're going to tell Jeff thank you again, and uh, we'll see you all next week on the Classic Car Show. Thanks for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.